The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Basic Podcast, CBS Sports Game NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, June 29th, regardless of whether you're listening or you're watching on YouTube, uh, because we are releasing this a little bit late. Again, off-season scheduling is a little off. I, uh, hello in the YouTube chat. Long time no see, Simmons Tim. Um, look, if, uh, I, I saw like one tweet about this. I, like, I assume this is not the general feeling. But if it, don't don't need to chirp the podcast if 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 we don't like if we don't have if we miss a day in June okay like it's a daily podcast it's not changing this is the worst time of the year to create content because you gotta do top ten list and I feel bad for the people who have to write the list I used to write them somehow I've weaseled my way out of it and now stuck evaluating offensive line play Jeff Kerr joining me now to break down the top ten offensive linemen at Jeff Kerr CBS on Twitter what's up buddy how you doing. Uh, pretty good. I had to watch a lot of offensive line film to make sure I get this right because people love to argue over who the best offensive lineman is in football, and there isn't a perfect science to it. It's okay. You could say Trent Williams is really good. You could say Lane Johnson's really good, but can you really evaluate them fairly just based on how their offenses run? And you know, I mean, look at the Forty ers They run the, a zone read scheme. So what? How do you evaluate Trent Williams compared to again, like a Lane Johnson? Then the Eagles run the ball more than anybody else in football. And and you're talking, and, and we'll get to some news first, and we'll get to the actual list. But um, your point's 100 percent correct. You're also not doing top ten guards. You know, you're doing top ten offensive linemen, and now you don't want to do top ten guards because then you really got to watch even more tape. But it's like, how do you, you know, how do you sort, you know, like, and it's changed over time for sure. It's sort of like, like how do, um, you know, how does like a right tackle fit in uh, versus a left tackle, and you know, how does you know an offensive guard? Sorry, I've got a, a, a sweaty. Uh, solo cup here. I don't want to mess up this table. Um, you, uh, you know, like, where, like, how does the center fit into these rankings? Uh, yeah, I think right tackle and Lane Johnson is a great example of it, but you know, right tackle has certainly become substantially more valued by the NFL than it was years ago. Whereas, you know, most of the time, if you were doing this list, just based on importance to their team, you're gonna have a lot of left tackles. Um, and, uh, and, um, but uh, so, uh, anyway, yeah, so like it's, it's hard to do. And Simmons, Tim, I wasn't being, I knew you weren't being rude. I, we just watched the last podcast. Yeah, it was like we just did one a second ago. I've been sitting in this chair yelling at my computer for uh, 53 minutes and 15 seconds. I'm going insane. It's the off season. There's too much stuff going on. 
Um, fortunately, the news is a little slow, but Jeff, we'll get to a couple of things, namely the Terry McLaurin extension as uh, the Washington Com- Commodores, Commandos, what are you going to call them? Uh, they, um, they signed Terry McLaurin to a substantial extension, three years worth up to $71 million with a $28 million signing bonus. McLaurin was sort of, I think he was holding out. Was he, was he actually holding out? Was he um, hold in kind of like he showed up, but he wanted the contract. Oh, it's uh it's Greg Rosenthal of NFL media. We got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, buddy of mine, friend of the pod. Um, Greg actually came up. I believe he coined the phrase uh, hold in as you, as you noted, like you show up and you just don't do anything. And you're like, look, I'm not. Cause when they did the new CBA, and actually, I think they may have it may have changed in 2011 originally when they did the CBA. It basically made holding out impossible. You can't hold out because the teams will find the living bejesus out of you. They'll eat up all your cash. You won't get any money, and it, it doesn't work the way it used to. Like Darrell Revis famously held out from the Jets, and they're just finally here. Take all our money. It doesn't. You can't do it anymore. Players can't hold out. They hold in, and that's sort of what uh, and that's sort of what Terry McLaurin was doing. I'm trying to find. Come on, freaking! Why is his contract not updated in the the rankings? Um, anywho, seventy one million dollars. So that would put him right in the Christian Kirk Kenny Galladay range. But we're talking about seventy one divided by three in terms of the extension, which gets him to twenty three point six per year, which gets him right in between uh, DJ Moore and Stephon Diggs. Right below AJ Brown as well, uh, in terms of average annual value for that contract, and I think that that's probably a pretty good number, Jeff. Like Terry McLaurin has been a very good wide receiver. He has not been like a top five wide receiver, but he's had no help in terms of his quarterback play, and it's a guy that you just you you clearly see the skill set. There's no question in my mind that he's a number one. It's just can the Washington offense, you know, position him such that he'll justify the, the money? For Terry McLaurin, I think if we could list all of his quarterbacks since he's entered the league, there's probably one we're missing. I, I forgot Josh Johnson thrown passes to Terry McLaurin at one point. So, yeah, Washington's been all over the place when it comes to that receiver. I, Carson Wentz might arguably be his best quarterback he's had. And I didn't say it much. Like I was really excited to see McLaurin last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and it just never happened. It, it happened for two quarters and that was it that done. So yeah, I think Terry McLaurin is a very underrated receiver. He gets his catches. He gets his yards, gets his touchdowns, moves the chains. I, I for one think this is a really good deal for Washington. I think it's a good deal for him too. I, personally, you couldn't have paid him any less than what he was worth. Yeah. I mean, like, and I think with McLaurin, like, because um, I'm so I'm so brain dead. Um, I, I I want to say, and I'm 99% sure that I'm correct. Uh, I am correct. Terry McLaurin, part of the 2019 NFL draft class, he was, of course, famously one of many wide receivers, a third round pick, 76 overall. Many wide receivers who were just substantially better than the Patriots' pick at number 32 overall in Keel Harry. Um, if I were a spiteful vengeful oh you know what actually if i were a rude person i would then go on to point out other wide receivers taken in this draft class per chance by other nfc east teams i'm not though and because i would do it if, if you weren't here Kerr. 
Like if, if it was just yeah, Debo, they a terrible pick that draft. Do you remember who they picked? I, 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 that's what I'm getting at. Jay Joe. Yeah, yeah. I was going to make a Jay Joe joke, but the Eagles are now my adopted uh, team, and you're 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 taking time out of your day to be a guest here. Debo has to be here. You don't have a choice. So I don't mind making fun of Jay Joe with Debo, uh, but I don't want to. He's terrible. He's a terrible. He's terrible. He's going to be good this year. And Howie Rosen made up for it by trading for AJ Brown, and and I think that's sort of the thing is like AJ Brown. If I'm if I was Terry McLaurin's agent, and I was doing this negotiation, like there's no question in my mind that AJ Brown has been more productive and a like you're probably taking AJ Brown in terms of what he's done on the field over Terry McLaurin, but it's reasonably close given the 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 you know the pieces around each of their respective games. Um, and, and so like, my point being is that I think that Terry McLaurin slotting in right under AJ Brown's contract on an average annual basis makes a lot of sense. So I have no problem with this deal. And the other thing about Washington too, remember that, um, you know, they had to trade for Carson Wentz this offseason. Their owner is currently being subpoenaed by the Senate. Uh, and so what better time to announce a contract extension for your best young player and one of the few really good young players on your roster than right now in the middle of said subpoena while your owner is uh, you know, out of the country trying to avoid testifying before Congress. So good news for Washington on that front. And I like the idea of paying him here. It makes too much sense. I, I can't name too many good things Washington has done right over Daniel Snyder. Like, so I'm on the 90s football binge right now, Brinson. And I was watching the Bucks uh Washington playoff game from 99 where they took a 13-0 lead. And I was like, oh, my God, Washington, they, they finally figured it out. Brad Johnson, they're going to go to the NFC Championship game. Nope. nope, they blew that. So and everything's been downhill ever since for them. So it's nice to actually talk about them in a good light for once. But Daniel Snyder is <laughs> – he's just the worst – he might be the worst owner in sports. And, and that's saying something because James Dolan's in New York. Yeah, I mean, Dan Snyder is definitely up there. I mean, like the Washington fan base is like rabid, and they just like they become apathetic, which is almost impossible to do with a with a team that had that many Super Bowls, um, Super Bowl victories, you know, in the in, in the nineties. Um, uh, Debo asked the question in the rundown, like, what's the potential of this Washington offense? I actually like. I, I am not a Carson Wentz fan. I, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Um, you're not. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably not either. Debo still is. Uh, true Eagles fans really aren't, don't care for Carson, but, you know, who's to say who a true Eagles fan is? At any rate, I do think that Carson Wentz, as you point out, probably the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's played with, can definitely push the ball down the field vertically. Scott Turner's a smart offensive coordinator who will put Carson Wentz in uh, positions to succeed, and Terry McLaurin is going to be his number one. So, like, I think Terry McLaurin's got 1,500-yard receiving ceiling. Um, particularly if the Washington defense and in, in, in front of the pod, JP Finley, um, I was on 106.7 The Fan with him, and he, he mentioned that he thinks the defense is going to be a problem in Washington, that the sort of second-half correction that we saw after the bye last year maybe may, might not be the, the real Washington defense. And if that's the case, then you're going to have a situation where Carson Wentz is going to have to throw more because the defense won't be stopping people, and that should lead to Terry McLaurin getting his numbers and the offense looking better um, Carson Wentz probably still in Indianapolis if not for that week 18 game and, and maybe Washington will benefit from it. Terry McLaurin certainly will benefit from it. Um, the Baker Mayfield saga continues to roll on. Baker was asked uh, via Kerry Murdoch of Soonerscoop.com, Oklahoma site, Boomer Sooner, I guess, um, asked about sticking around in Cleveland and said, no, quote, no, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides, Mayfield said. 
I was asked about this last night at a buddy's house. You know, like, I mean, people are fooled into thinking I, you know, like they can, like I have answers to football questions, and um, and I usually can fool them into thinking I do by filibustering about, you know. But we we're talking about anyway. My buddy was a big Clemson fan, and or his wife's a big Clemson fan, and, and he was asking about Deshaun Watson and like the situation. And I said, I, I like, I think he's going to get a year, probably twelve games, absolute bare minimum. And so then the follow-up from another friend was, you know, will that lead to Baker Mayfield staying in Cleveland and playing? And I really don't think so. I think the Panthers are going to trade for him. It's just a matter of figuring out the compensation. Yeah. Now it could be Baker versus Cleveland week one. Think about that. Which would be amazing. (laughs) Now the issue here is that if you're the Browns and again, like this is all very dependent on what Watson, what kind of suspension Watson gets. If it's six games, I don't think you really worry about trading Baker and you can go with Jacoby. If it's 12 games and you're thinking, okay, we're going to have five games with Deshaun. We're going to need to win all five of those. Um, you know, we're going to need to figure out a way to go like six and six while he's gone or even four, uh, five and five and seven, maybe. Right. So yeah. Five, seven, six and six. It, it's, it's <laughs> do, doing the math in your head. You're trying to get to nine and eight or 10 and seven. Because you feel like you get in the playoffs that way, so you can, you're trying to figure out how you how do you tread water. The issue for I think for the Browns becomes: Do you give the Panthers Baker before Week One, or do you wait until after Week One to trade him? Because you know obviously the price is going to go down. You're going to pay more of the salary. It, there's a whole lot of factors that go into it. But yes, that is entirely possible. Um, I think that Baker is ready to move on. Cleveland could say if Deshaun gets a full year suspension and does not appeal it, say, "Look, Baker, uh, we're our bad." Okay, we we feel bad. We we you know we tra- traded for Deshaun, shoved it in your face, former number one overall pick. We, we screwed up. However, you got one year left on your contract. This is a really good spot. We'll amend it where we won't. We will not attempt to retain your services via franchise tag or whatever after this season. Not that they'd be able to really financially. But the point being is like, you come play for a, Deshaun's not here for a year. He's gonna be suspended away from the team. Come back in. Let's all pretend to keep it together for the kids and see if we can go make the playoffs and then you'll get paid in the offseason as a free agent. I mean, is that like, I think that's a possibility, but if I'm Baker, Baker's like a spiteful dude. He's not going to do that. I feel like he's just like, just send me to Carolina, you jabrons. Oh, he's a spiteful dude. If I was him, I'd let this franchise do. Uh, and I keep going back to when I covered the week 12 game in Baltimore, Baker came to his press conference. You could tell shoulders bottom, knees bottom, ankles bottom. He walks in there like he's normal, and everybody yeah. looks around the room like, what's he trying to hide here? Like, right. he's trying to prove, like, what a warrior he is, and he stood there, he answered all the questions, he was a professional the whole year. I mean, he literally took one for the team the whole season. This is how you repay him? If I was Baker Mayfield, I said, guess what? I'm holding out. I, I don't care. You have to pay me anyway because it's a fifth-year guaranteed option. I'm going to make you release me or make you trade me to where I want to go. You, you're the one who said you want the adult in the room. I'm being the adult now, not you. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, like that's what I would do because you it. know that, like you know that, no matter what, if you come back and you play for the Browns and you play, like I mean, if you play well, like they're like you're getting ditched. Like, if, like if, if Watson gets twelve games, I'm like, if I'm Baker, I'm like, no, I'm not playing twelve games for you, and so I can get benched for Deshaun Watson. Like I play poorly, I get hurt, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm not doing that. Exactly. And I, I think the only time, like, in, in recent memory, I remember a player having this much leverage was when 
The Eagles moved Jason Peters to guard. Again, the Eagles reference here. They moved him to guard. And I'm trying to remember the tackle got hurt. But he got hurt before the season. And Jordan Malad wasn't a thing yet. And Jason Peters just kind of – I would love to have been the fly on that wall in Howie Grossman's office when the Eagles called Jason Peters in and told him they wanted to switch him to tackle and he gets a big pay rate. I would love to see Jason Peters face it. He said, oh, my, my, my. Oh, all of a sudden, I'm valuable to you now. So – yeah, if, if I was Baker Mayfield, that'd be the only way I'd ever come back in that office. I'd actually demand the Rays to come back. I'm with you. I, I got no, I got no problem with Baker uh, hanging the Browns out to dry here, especially when they you know brought up Jacoby Brissett to be the backup. Uh, I tell you what, let's uh, we're gonna we'll break early because if we try to, to bang out the top five, um, the bottom five of the top ten offensive linemen, Debo will be yelling at me like, "Oh my God, this guy won't take a break. He won't shut up." So we're gonna take a break now, and when we come back. What Eagles offense, what surprising, perhaps surprising Eagles offensive lineman crept on the back of Jeff Kerr's top 10 offensive lineman list? We'll tell you next. Maybe it's not surprising. Like, I guess if you're a big football fan, it's not surprising because, but, you know, the Eagles, um, did they draft, was it, is it 2018 when they drafted Andre, when they drafted oh, Dillard? Oh, 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 19, they drafted Dillard. 19 was Dillard. 18, was when they drafted Jordan Mailata. Yeah, and in they traded the draft together. Yeah. They That's right. They traded back. back to, yeah. He's from, uh, he's Australian. I believe he's like, a, what are you, a rugby player? Like an Australian football player? It was like, it was, um, I think I remember it was Mike Garofalo, maybe, who's, you know, always around Philly and, and the Eagles organization. I think he was talking about it during the draft. I could be wrong, but it was, it was a big story for the NFL. And just to kind of, you know, Again, pull back the curtain, which we like to do, not at CBS, but at the NFL. The NFL really, really, really likes to push the idea of the international players program. They love the idea of success stories coming from different countries because it then inspires the, the it grows the game in those countries. And more importantly for the NFL, it grows their revenue stream. Like that is, it's, not, it's not like international goodwill. They're trying to get rich, like really rich because you know, 14 billion ain't enough. Um, but, you know, you have somebody in uh, like Jordan Mailata from New South Wales, Sydney, New South Wales, which is just Australia, I believe. One of seven players to come out of Australia. Um, and in the modern era, really just um, so David Yankee, Jared, Jared Haney. God, I remember him. God, we wrote about him so much and he just didn't do much. I didn't do so much Australian radio for Jared Haney. Um, but Mailata and Michael Dixon the uh, the Seahawks punter, the to the really the two guys who sort of emerged as you know kind of bigger Australian stars. Like Maialata, it was kind of thought like, oh, like the Eagles think this guy's like you know maybe a who knows what could happen, a seventh round pick, or you know from a different country. Like maybe he'll turn into something. Uh, he's turned into an amazing offensive lineman, and they paid him. They, they're, they're he's gonna be a bargain for that. Like they pay him before the year started. I'm like wow, these guys only made like ten career starts, and you're paying them and. I'm telling you, it's all offensive uh, line coach Jeff Stoutland. If there is any valuable assistant coach in the National Football League, it's him. That guy turns garbage into gold. He could make Danny Watkins something if he was winning. Let's not go. Let's not. Let's not get crazy here. I get it because I was covering the NFL then. Like Watkins was like 29. He's like a former fireman when they drafted him in the first round. It's like it's like, all right, this would be great. Like uh, uh, yeah, meat and potatoes, blue collar Philly guy. And it's like, wait. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't draft twenty-eight-year-old like like dudes in the first round. Maybe that's just well, that's a bad awesome draft, though. So that's not working out well for them. Wait, they had who? Who else did they get that draft? They got Jason Kelsey in the sixth round that year. Oh, that's right. God, what was it? Oh, that was my first draft I was covering. 
Really? Um, oh. Yeah. 2011, man. Um, drafted him right before Cameron Jordan, likely Hall of Famer. Uh, could have been worse. I mean, Cameron Hayward went right there too, but it, it's not like they, it's not like the Blaine Gabbard or the, or the Washington take. Uh, Washington, Ryan Kerrigan, which wasn't that bad, but like Blaine Gabbard right before J.J. Watt is the real dagger. Of the draft. Yeah, before, before hot takes were a thing, I still remember saying, why didn't you take Leroy Jordan's son? That, that was my take at the time. I'm like, why do you take him? Leroy Jordan was a good football player. You assume Cam would be Hubbard Sachs later. I'm not kidding. When he when Danny Watkins took his first snap with the Eagles, he was 27 years old. <laughs> how, how is that possible? That is insane. Don't draft somebody that old. Uh, all right, anyway, uh, moving along. Colton Miller uh, checks in at number nine on your list. Yeah, Colton Miller was – he might have been the worst tackle in football what, three years ago, 2018? He, he was – he was his rookie year, he was really bad. Uh, maybe he wasn't as bad as I think, but he was not great. Yeah, and all of a sudden, like, he's became a pretty good pass blocker. And if you look at what's next to him, it's not much. So, Colton Miller's pretty much doing it by himself. He kept Derek Carr upright a lot last year. And I, if, if there's any player that I got to give credit to for actually becoming – a decent player at, outside of how bad he started. It's Colton Miller, and you gotta give him credit. And you know the Raiders. I think they paid him. I'm pretty sure they did. I yeah, yeah, they paid him. And, and the other thing too, he was drafted right at like two spots ahead of Derwin James, and everyone loved Derwin James. And it was like, what are you doing? Like this guy better be. And it was like they were like, all right, we're gonna. And was it Gruden? Did Gruden drafted him? I think. Yeah, Gruden. Drafted him. Yeah, it's like everybody's like, I mean, look, guilty as charged. Everybody's ready to pounce on Gruden for any of his picks. And he's like, yeah, we're going to move this guy. We're going to move this guy with a right tackle like out of the gate. It's like, why did you just draft a right tackle, at the, like a project right tackle, at the like early in the like in the middle of the first round with Derwin James on the board and like Leighton Van Esch out there? And, and you know, not that he's been proven right, but it, it's it, 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 Gruden deserves more credit for that particular selection than maybe – you know, like we all pile on Gruden for the three, the bad you know, three picks the next year. But I mean, like that actually ended up being a pretty good pick. Yeah. And the thing with Colt Miller is, if I remember correctly, wasn't he like a top 10, top 15 like prospect the year before that? And then he had a bad senior year at UCLA and then that got a bad, bad first year at, in Oakland. And then it seems like ever since he moved to Vegas, he's become pretty good at his job. Yeah, maybe he's a, maybe, maybe the guy loves the, uh, the, old, the old crafts tables or something like that. Ryan Ramchick at number eight. Um, now with, what are the, I gotta double check. This is one of those things where like you forget about it in the off season, but, um, I guess they, so I would assume that the saints are going to keep Ramchick at right tackle and plug Trevor pinning in at left tackle. I haven't read anything about what they might be doing in minicamp. So if I'm wrong, yeah, I mean, I'll take the L whatever. But I, if, if, if you're, I mean, they, they could move Ramchick to left tackle where Teron Armstead was. But I would, I would sort of think they'd want to keep the steady spot there on the right side, right? Yeah, and Ramchick's one of the best right tackles in the game. I don't know why yeah. you would move him. There's a reason right. why someone like Lane Johnson doesn't move, because you don't have to. It's it, and Yeah, Trevor Penning, you can teach him how to play the left side now. You got Ramchick over there. Uh, Andres Pete's a good uh, veteran for them. I think Andres yep. Pete's over there. So um, you've still got um, – what's the guy's name? Um, is it McCoy at center? I always forget. McCoy's at center, and then they got uh, the drafted Cesar Ruiz recently. Cesar Ruiz. Guard. And I think they'll put Pete. Pete will play. Pete will probably play left guard. And that's the other thing too is like if you're putting pinning at, like, if you're putting pinning at left tackle, you've got a veteran in Pete who could kick out if he absolutely had to, or is going to going to help a rookie by being there on the left side. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I would assume that Ramchick stays at right tackle where you are correct. He is one of the best right tackles in the game. 
Yeah, and here was the thing last year. They did miss him. They, they missed him terribly, uh, especially down the stretch. It's I, I'm trying to remember who filled in for him, but if, if we were going by war with offensive linemen, it definitely wasn't replacement-level production. I'll just say that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And look, Ramchek, uh, absolutely deserving of a list. You can probably make a case. I could be even higher, but you know, when you start to look at who's on here, you're like, oh, okay. I mean, this is just kind of a great list. Ronnie Stanley of the Baltimore Ravens missed some time. Uh, last, missed, missed, actually, did he miss the whole season? He missed almost the whole season. Yeah. Yeah. He played week one, and then he got hurt. It, 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 all the Ravens injuries happened within like six days. They had 196 games, like 190 plus game, adjusted games lost according to football outsiders. It's insane how much time uh, they lost. And I mean, Stanley, if he's healthy, is one of the best tackles in, in football. I mean, it's and he's paid like it. Um, you know, makes just under twenty million dollars a year. Uh, is I mean, like he's the reason that the you know that the the Ravens were willing to trade uh, uh, Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown. I blanked out on his name, but they, they they traded Orlando Brown because Orlando Brown was adamant he wanted to play left tackle, and the Ravens were like, we don't have room for him at left tackle because we got Ronnie Stanley. Uh, Stanley's been fant- he's fantastic when he's healthy and. Really, like, you know, you look at the Ravens' injuries last year, left tackle and running back. Those are problems for a team that has the most rushing attempts by, by like, by like 300% of any team in the NFL over the last few years. I used to lay up uh, the Ravens games I covered last year. I, I covered the Chargers game. And I remember saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Devonta Freeman's on this team. Oh, yeah, Latavius Murray. Well, I knew he was on the team, but I'm like, oh, yeah, Tyron Williams, <laughs> Williams, who won me two fantasy games earlier in that season, was basically an inactive. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, what? Like, how is this team winning? And they, yeah. were, leading, they were leading the AFC at one point going into December, and then Lamar got hurt, and that was the end of it. But uh, they missed Rodney Stanley last year. I'm trying to remember who even played right uh, left tackle for them. It's it, their offensive line was all over the place. Bradley Bozeman was hurt. They, they just said, guys, but if Rodney Stanley is healthy, he's one of the best in the game. And, and you're right. Well, the, you know that's why Orlando Brown is not a Baltimore Raven anymore. He just wanted to play left tackle, and they said, sorry, dude, uh, Rodney Stanley's better than you. And no disrespect to Orlando Brown because he's pretty good himself. Being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Absolutely. Sorry. I muted myself. I was, I was, I was searching See, when you go again, like I said, this on the other pod too, it's like, you know, you go on vacation and like, I, I mean, I haven't been reading about the Ravens minicamp. Like I just, yeah, just haven't been reading for the Ravens minicamp. Um, but uh, the, according to, this is two weeks ago. Actually, this is on cbsports.com. This is awkward. If you wrote it, thank goodness you did not. Uh, John Harbaugh a week ago said Ronnie Stanley, JK Dobbins, and um, I think he said someone else as oh Gus Edwards should all return for injury return from injury for training camp. So that's enormous for the Ravens. Again, we're talking about a top ten offensive lineman, very deserving of a spot on this list. At number six, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers' longtime pal, who I would kind of guess. So he was drafted in the fourth round in 2013. 30 will be 31 by the time the season starts. I wouldn't be surprised at all, Jeff, if he walked away at the same time as Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't be either. Uh, he's been banged up the last couple of years too. And last year, I remember he came back, I think it was week 17, week 18. He played like a little, couple, little bit of the regular he season. He only played one game. He only played one game last year. Yeah. yeah I remember Packers fans like, we got our guy back. We're going to win the Super Bowl. It's, it's all going to happen. I'm like, you guys know, like you were pretty good without him. Right. But obviously having him in the lineup helped. Um, it was, um, Elton Jenkins, I think, ended up playing left tackle for them for a yeah. long time. Yeah, so, I mean, he was pretty good. So, overall, I, I'm just thinking to myself, okay, what's going to happen when this guy is healthy and he's on the field? Because he's probably the best left tackle in the game when he is healthy. You can't keep him off the top ten list. It, 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 that was another no. It was just where do you put him? Yeah, and, like, if you look at his um, his run from – and I'm trying to – I'm doing the same thing now. I'm trying to make sure that David Bakhtiari is uh, expected to be – uh, he's not, not in the, this is from mm, sitting out of OTAs this is a month ago, sitting out of OTAs with a goal of returning to training camp. And there's a lot of headlines. Like how concerned should the Packers be about David Bakhtiari Packers news? When is it time to worry about David Bakhtiari? So those are all a month ago. So I think in this case, your placement of Bakhtiari at six is a pretty good move because you're talking about a guy who, from 2016 to 2020, somehow only made one – no, he made two first-team All-Pros, three second-team All-Pros, but was just absolutely one of the most dominant left tackles and offensive linemen in professional football, gets hurt last year. So, like, you don't want to put him as, like – you don't want to put him as, like, two, right? Like, you're three, but you want to have him high enough where if he comes back, you don't look like an idiot for leaving him off or having him nine – and so if he plays a full season, you'll look smart. because you're, you're, so it's, I, I like the placement of him at six. Uh, plus, we start to look at the guys ahead of him. Um, man, Rashawn Slater. What a pick. Monster. Of Rashawn Slater and Justin Herbert in back-to-back drafts. Like, you get the quarterback and you get the, the left tackle to – it was back-to-back drafts, right? I mean, I'm not yeah, yeah, back-to-back. And they got Zion I mean, Johnson this year, which is another good pick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like – like, I don't know if the Chargers will end up being as good as everybody expects the Chargers to, but, you know, give credit to Tom Telesco. You got Mike Williams, you paid him, you paid Keenan Allen, you got you got the weapons. They need a little more speed maybe, but you have Justin Herbert and you put pieces around him and you drafted immediately a left tackle to protect him. Hey, Tom, where the hell was that when Phillip Rivers was playing, pal? You know what it is? I love the hidden messages. So I interviewed Justin Herbert in February and I just interviewed him last week. I remember I asked him specifically about Mike Williams in February. He's like, oh, I'd love to have him back. That's pretty much the gist of it. All of a sudden, uh, yeah, I'm like, well, Mike Williams is going to be a charger. There, there's no way they're going to let him go to free agency. Right. Then I 
I was like you, I remember who the GM was, but it seemed like they learned a lot from basically having Philip Rivers carry that organization for 10 to 15 years. And I think they're saying that, okay, yeah, we got to find a way to win a Super Bowl with this guy because we didn't do him right. We, they did not do Philip Rivers right for a decade. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Rashawn Slater, um, I want to point out to all the haters and the losers, namely John Breach, Ryan Wilson, and Sean Wagner McGuffin. <laughs> Bleep, bleeper, McBleep, that Rashawn Slater was fourth last year in terms of the offensive rookie of the year voting. Now, granted, he only got one vote. <laughs> I don't care. Jamar Chase got, got most of them. Uh, I'll, I'll vote. So all the complaining about the idea that Trent Williams could win comeback player of the year or Garrett Bradbury could win offensive rookie of the year has been nullified by that single vote of an AP voter, probably a Chargers beat writer, who put Rashawn Slater as the offensive rookie of the year. I think that you could justifiably make a case. And look, you're not going to do it because you got freaking, you know, Jamar Chase going nuts. But like Rashawn Slater was so good last year that it, it, if, if Jamar Chase hadn't gone bananas late in the season or Mac Jones hadn't, you know, what a quarterback on a team that was in playoff contention, you could have given him the award. I mean, he just has a plug-and-play superstar left tackle from day one as a rookie. I mean, it's just ridiculous. He's one of those guys, it's a shame that there's so many people now in football that watch where the ball's going instead of watching what's going on in the trenches. Because if you slow the game down and just watch for shots like just – pulverize defensive ends left and right it's fun it's yeah and he's, he was just as good in the run game so i mean austin eckler the reason you're giving him two hard touches is because rashawn slater is running in front of him so kudos to rashawn slater i mean i probably could rank them higher if i wanted to but i think five is justifiable yeah i, I think five, five is very and, and look like you know you want to see it from a rookie who plays that well like back it up your second season you know um it's it's crazy though that like some I think Daniel Jeremiah maybe, and I'm sure like some of our guys at CBS, but I, I think Daniel, DJ had him above Panay Sewell, and people were like, "That's outrageous!" I was like, "Sewell oh, looks pretty good right now because he, he had Panay Sewell was not bad, but Rashawn Slater was great, like second team All Pro, Pro Bowl level, uh, Rookie of the Year level." At number four, ah, little Eagles double dip, the uh, Lane Johnson, the longtime Philadelphia. I love Lane Johnson. He's like just, yeah, he's just a beast. Um, first round pick in 2013 out of Oklahoma. And he is, um, man, I mean, the Eagles, are you are you at all? I mean, obviously, my lot of, you know, becoming a, a stud out of the seventh, seventh round in 2018, we mentioned him already. Like, that's a huge win for them, particularly with the Dillard stuff. But Dillard's hadn't lived up to maybe what they hoped quite yet, but there's still plenty of time. Um, are you all worried about the Eagles' offensive line and the age factor? Because it does seem like Jason Kelsey's on his last year. And, I mean, Lane Johnson is pretty old, I believe. He's 31. Okay. He's getting there. He's, he seems like the dude, though, because he's so, he's so tight with a uh, friend of the pod, Chris Long, that I can see him, like, I can see him and, like, and Long and Chris, like, and Chris is like, dude, retirement. He's like, I just sit up here in my Charlottesville mansion and, in, in, in just redacted all day long and podcast. It's incredible. You should, uh, you should think about it. Lane Johnson's like, Hey, you know what? I, that actually sounds amazing. I do want to leave football. I could see it. Uh, probably not in the next year or two. I, I think he's still got a lot to prove. Last year he had the anxiety thing, which. Again, oh God, I forgot about that last year. He stepped away. 
And yeah. he had a great season last year. Yeah, he just walked away. It was like, okay, oh, is he yeah. ever going to come back? You know, and he tackled it head on. And I would love to ask him just personally about it. Like, you know, what, what was going on? Like, you know, I, I don't know if it was like a family thing, but Lane Johnson never seemed like, oh, like this could happen to him, but it did. And he said he's been battling it pretty much his entire life. And he was just even a player when he came back. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, like, I don't want to say it's refreshing, but it's like, it is in that sense of like a guy who's like, as tough as like just like burly and like like strong and like dominating the field and he's like hey look man i got head issues too like everybody's got them it's okay to go through them you don't have to um you know you don't have to freak out about it right uh, or freak out about it but it's like it's okay like even like like i'm literally one of the strongest humans on the planet earth and even i have issues that go on in my head so i, I went there i think um and you know he he battled injuries i believe maybe not 2018 but 2019 and 2020 he missed time and he only played 11 games last year but was dominant as you point out when he came back particularly um actually had a receiving touchdown as well in uh in, in uh, last he had year more receiving touchdowns than kenny galladay i think last year oh god i wish i had a dunk button going on that would, that is fantastic um yeah and i mean like you know he hasn't played like his 2017 season was just like an epic performance like that is what has vaulted him onto these lists. Um, he probably hasn't played at that high level, but I think he still got it in him. And if the Eagles are going to be a team that competes for the NFC East, a team that competes for a Super Bowl, they're hoping that Jalen Hurts takes this step forward. Lane Johnson is going to be a huge factor in that run at number three. A will be a third-year player going in. Another out of the box, just dominant beast of an offensive lineman. Tristan Wirfs comes in in 2020. Helps the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a Super Bowl. Um, it's I, he was uh, he was right tackle. He was playing right tackle, right in twenty twenty. Yeah, because yeah, they had Donovan Smith, right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah, so he played. Uh, but I mean, like to, again, to come in as a rookie, even though you come from a, 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 a Kirk Ferentz, you know, Iowa. We run the ball four billion times, and that's why our tight ends and offensive linemen are decent in theory uh, program. But to come in and be as prepared as he was and to be as good as he was, especially when like you're a rookie and Tom Brady is in his first year with this team. And it like is very intent on trying to win like big um, to come in and, and play as well as he did as a rookie, incredibly impressive. And then he was just even better last year. Uh, first team, all, all pro pro bowler played all 17 games, an absolute monster for the Buccaneers and has already easily justified his 13th overall uh, position. The guys who went ahead of him at that position, we had, uh, what was it? Wills went to Cleveland at 10. Mackay, yeah, so Andrew Thomas went four. That's right. Um, Thomas is actually rounded into pretty good shape um, and, and played much better last year. Wills has been uh, good. I think he missed some time last season. And then Beckton, you know, clearly had that nasty injury, but was very good as a rookie. The truth of the matter, though, Jeff, is like, Worfs has been the best and, – and, and, look, he's maybe an easier situation because there's a good offensive line. You have Tom Brady there, et cetera, et cetera. But he has been the best offensive lineman by a mile in that class out of all those guys that were drafted. He's one of those guys, the night he was drafted, I'm thinking to myself, okay, let's see what team the, these offensive linemen go on because I liked all four of them. And when he landed in Tampa Bay, I'm like, that's perfect. He doesn't even have to play left tackle. He can go yep. sign the right tackle. He can go be dominant over there. Tom Brady's going to be his quarterback. It's Bruce Arians runs a tight ship, a good ship. It, it just seemed like a match made in heaven for him. And now the only question is, when are you going to pay him and how much is he going to get paid?
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought I was muted. Uh, I wasn't. Um, uh, it's it's been a long day. Um, uh, yeah, I was looking at the PFF numbers. Just to, I was just curious to see where he checks out. He's sixth um, in terms of PFF grade. Um, we'll get to two. Oh, Jordan Mailata was third on PFF. Jordan Mailata was higher than Tristan Wirfs last year. I, she's young. Wow. Even. Colton Miller was fifth. Whitworth was fourth. He, Whitworth's probably we didn't even talk about snubs, but um, I was Whitworth if he hadn't retired is probably on this list too. You know Whitworth has the most snaps play in NFL history. That's I did not know that. That's a great stat. <laughs> that, that's one of those like weird snap like weird stats I found out over the year. I'm like, what the? Like, how does anybody have more snaps play than Tom Brady? Andrew Whitworth does. That is amazing. I I so I saw Whitworth at um at St. Elmo's in the 2017 offseason. So like the offseason in between 2016 and 2017. It's when he was a free agent and he was already at that point in time 35, maybe 36 years old. I can't remember, but a old free agent, right? Bengals don't want to pay him. He'd been there forever because they drafted Jake Fisher and Cedric Ogbui and they were going to reboot their offensive line and let Andre Reed and, and Whitworth go. Like that dude was so just huge, but also just like cut. Like he wasn't like, he was never, Whitworth was never like a big, he was just, he's just, I was like, oh my God, that man could squish my head with his fingers. Like he was just like, boop, and just pop my head. Anyway, that's, I don't know why I'm ranting about Whitworth and how, what a, what a monster he is. But to get the point, Whitworth probably on the list, uh, high up there with PFF, also high up there. As I mentioned, Tristan Wirfs came in at six. And, and really the three through um, three through eight, uh, actually three through 10, Lane Johnson was 10. All those guys are pretty snug uh, in there together. The top two guys, though, uh, match up with your top two list, and they are substantially higher than everybody else. Uh, Tyron Smith at number two for the Dallas Cowboys, a, a mainstay on these offensive line lists for like the last decade, really. Yeah. But my favorite is, how do you put him so high when he doesn't play? I'm like, he does play. And when he plays, he's really, really good. If, yeah. if Tyron Smith could play all 16, 17 games of the season, uh, he probably rivals Trent Tre Williams for number one. And he's already doing that. It's Tyron Smith is, you know, I, I hate to admit it, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yes, I, I think that's probably right. I mean, like he's been, it's the Cowboys' lack of postseason success is probably the only thing, like, I hadn't even thought of it, but yeah, Tyron Smith, almost certainly a Hall of Famer. So he was also in that 2011 draft class. Because, I mean, he was, I want to say he was like 19 when he was drafted. No, he's 20 when the Cowboys took him ninth overall. Again, like the Titans took Jake Locker at eight and then Tyron Smith at nine to the Cowboys, Blaine Gabbard at 10 and J.J. Watt at 11. It's like, wow, no wonder that, um, that the Titans sucked for a while and the Jaguars sucked. And the, the Cowboys and, uh, and Texans had great success for, for like five years immediately after that. Um, yeah, yeah, Smith is – the last time he played a full season was 2015. He hasn't played more than 13 games since then. Ha also, has not – you know, uh, made the, made the All-Pro team in 2016, only playing 13 games, but has not made an All-Pro since. And, like, I, I mean, I'm not – we're not knocking the guy, but he is getting older. I mean, his plays – maybe dipped a little bit, but mostly because of injuries, I think. Right. I mean, like, like if, when you, you look at this, like when he, like you said, when he's out there, he, he's playing, he's playing great. His, uh, his 90.2 rating is the number two rating at PFF. Uh, number one though, I mean, bio, it's obscene 96.6 PFF rating and easily the best offensive lineman in football last year 
the best offensive lineman in football for a while now. Another guy, I think he played in Oklahoma with Lane Johnson. I could be wrong. Trent Williams of the 49ers, who, you know, drafted by Washington, played there forever, played with Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan leaves. Trent Williams leaves. He gets freed. He goes to San Francisco where he gets to team up with Shanahan uh, on an offense where Shanahan has full control of everything. And he has been just all they could ask for and more, well worth every penny they pay him. Uh, and and the best offensive lineman in football. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to – you know what? Now that you brought this up, I'm trying to remember if they were teammates. At, I think they, they might have been. Or Lane Johnson was probably a quarterback then at, at that point. Who knows? A quarterback? He was a quarter – not Oklahoma, but he was quarterback in uh, junior college. Gotcha. Yeah, so I, I'm trying yeah, to I, he, was a, he was a tight end. Lane Johnson was a tight end in 2010 when Trent Williams was – I'm assuming the starting uh, left tackle. Yeah, because his rookie year was 2011, right? Yeah, no, Williams. Oh, Williams wasn't in there. Oh, maybe they didn't play. Hmm. Oh uh, no, keep, no, 2010 was Trent Williams' rookie year. That's because yeah. I remember. Uh, I'm tr- Who was it? Oh no, no, he was on. Uh, Lane Johnson was on the. Lane Johnson was on 2009. So they would have crossed paths at Oklahoma. I'm sure they're boys because they're on the same team, um, but. Let's see. Let me double check and make sure. Yep. Lane Johnson was a sophomore tight end in 2009 and Trent Williams was a uh, senior offensive lineman. So they definitely like, I mean, they were teammates. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't think they were like arm in arm, like, you know, like, bro, like, you know, Lane Johnson was probably a lightly used tight end and, and Trent Williams was a starting all, you know, all American left tackle. Who was be a top five pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it seems like ever since Trent Williams has been in football, he's been good. And even in the years in Washington, when he was like just making Pro Bowls every year, I, I used to tell people this. People do know like he might be better than Tyron Smith. It's just that he plays for Washington. I mean, you could always – like Jason Peters was as good as he was. You could argue some years he was the third best left tackle in his own division because you had Tyron Smith and you had sure. Trent Williams. And – I don't think people realize how good Trent Williams actually was until he actually started playing for a team that could compete for Super Bowls, unlike Washington. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Washington absolutely, unquestionably, um, being on Washington held him back. Um, I'm trying, and yeah, so Mike Shanahan was coaching when they drafted him fourth overall, and Kyle was the offensive coordinator. I mean, I would assume that that had. Um, yeah, plenty to like. You know that relationship clearly is is helped to you know, get him to San Francisco, where he's thrived in this offense. You just see these offensive linemen, whether it's um, Alex Mack or you know Trent Williams, two biggest examples I think, where it's just like they are so perfect for, and they're they're good for any scheme, but they're so perfect with the Kyle Shanahan scheme. Like that's why you see uh, Trent Williams just have an absolute monster year um, this past season. First team All Pro, um, you know. Very, very easily could you know can say he's the best offensive lineman in football, and you did just that by naming him number one. The one guy, uh, Jeff, that I might I, that was uh, not I would say surprised it went on this, and I, you know if I was good at my job, I would have asked you about it before we did the top ten list. But no, Quentin Nelson. Well, he's on the interior lineman. 
Oh, this is just outside. Oh, I mean, really. yeah, these are tackles. So, I mean, uh, unless uh, uh, supposed to room the tackle or something, I don't know about because they don't have a left tackle right now. No, no, no. I didn't. I think I thought we were just doing offensive linemen. I was like, man, Jeff really hates guards, huh? This is <laughs> no, no. Okay, good. That's how you should have done it. You need to do a separate list for the interior offensive linemen because otherwise, you're trying to figure out how to slot these guys in. You can see how much I've been paying attention throughout this, like through my entire existence, uh, particularly this week. Okay, good. Yeah, fun, so, story, fun story about guards. So I. Did not play – when I played high school, I only I strictly played defense. They listed me as a guard on the offense because I was quick. And I'm like I, – I played in a JV game once, and I hated it. I, I couldn't say – I'm like, no, I like to hit, not get hit. This is stupid. And so I'm like, don't yeah. put me on offense anymore, ever. <laughs> so I want well, – like, I was trying to look because I swear – I think Pete might have like – surely he ranked Quentin. He had Quentin Nelson at 37. Um. So he, he he was a little bit lower than maybe I think people would have thought. Um, yeah, I, I I'm clear. I've been saying like offensive linemen and not offensive tackles the entire time, and I was like, man, these are just all offensive tackles. Like I guess I respect it. Like he's just crapping all over these guards. No, obviously you're smarter than I am. You have an interior <laughs> offensive lineman list that we'll probably talk about at some point in the very near future. Um, you can tell where my head's at. At any rate, it's an, it was a great list. I like the I like the placement of these guys, especially with the injuries. Like you know, with the back to Yari move and, uh, and you snuck two Eagles on there, which might, you know, maybe like last year, this time I'd be annoyed that like, oh, this Homer is like putting these Eagles on there. But as an Eagles fan, as a lifelong Eagles, Philadelphia Eagles, super fan, I too am thrilled about the idea of multiple Eagles offensive linemen on this list, because it means Jalen hurts can thrive. Uh, now that they have also added AJ Brown to that offense, excited to see what they do in the coming season. Jeff, a pleasure, buddy. Thank you for taking the time. We're cranking out a great list, and uh, we'll talk soon, man. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, I, wait, wait till the edge defenders and the whole uh, – which that was a big argument. Uh, I was still that's that's the whole thing. Yeah. It's like <laughs> how do you do the OLB versus – like the outside linebackers versus the – yeah, it's, it's a it, – yeah, I, I may just go back. just going to be ranking defensive players and not even giving them positions anymore. Right, exactly. Like how do you – yeah, exactly. Who qualifies for what? How do you move them around? Uh, fortunately, that's – I'm not going to worry about it. I'll let the editor sort that out. Uh, Jeff, as always, buddy. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Will. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.